Hi, hello, what is up, and welcome back to this week's episode of Girl, You Haven't Heard, a true crime and black history podcast where we analyze things from a critical decolonial perspective and above all else with all all of the unnecessary propaganda. So for the rest of the month, I am uploading one podcast segment a day and today's segment we are going to be it's a two-parter so this is just part one and part two will go up tomorrow but it's just focused on Winnipeg police service officers who have been caught drunk driving in recent years as this has been a huge problem and I just wanted to kind of take some time to discuss with you some of the cases that stood out to me um, and the incidences that some of the officers have found themselves in so But before getting into it, I just want to take the time to say that like a lot of Winnipeg police officers regularly drive drunk or they have been caught driving drunk. um, And they're all people who have worked with the police force for an extended amount of time. So it's not like new officers. It's people who are very comfortable in their positions and they feel kind of untouchable to an extent. So today we will be analyzing uh, two cases. The first one is Jason Garrett and the second is Leslie McRae. So we're going to start with Jason Garrett, right? Like, who is he? So he began working for the Winnipeg Police Service in 1987. And in 2017, like the time that he got caught drunk driving and all of this, he had been working for the service for over 30 years at that point. Now, in 2003, Uh, He was actually reprimanded under the Liquor and Gaming Control Act, and he also had assault charges stayed in 2002 and once again in 2013. Um, I couldn't find more details of any of these occurrences. I don't think the details are public or they're not as public as they should be, but to me it doesn't make them any less real or legit. Just because the charges were stayed doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Like, often police charges will be stayed for one reason or the next, but ultimately it's just to protect them and their image. Um, And in 2010, after he had been reprimanded under the Liquor and Gaming Control Act and also had assault charges stayed, he was given a Police Exemplary Service Medal by the Governor General of Canada. And I must say, the irony is just overwhelming because he was formally reprimanded only seven years earlier and he had a set of assault charges that were brought against him. Like, yes, the charges were stayed, but like I said before, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It likely just means the police and the system were once again protecting one of their own. And the fact that he was awarded this medal is wild to me. But if that doesn't highlight the current ongoing state of policing in Winnipeg and across so-called Canada, I don't know what will. Like, they're being praised and positively uplifted for causing immense amount of harm and that's exactly what happened with this man right from the jump but let's get into what kind of happened leading up to the incident so on february 18th of 2017 the rcmp had gotten multiple calls about a green truck that was driving erratically in the woodland suburb near stonewall so when the officer pulled up they or when the officers pulled up they saw jason and his 2003 ford f-250 pickup truck about 30 kilometers away from winnipeg in between gross isle and warren 
Arresting officers said that he was swerving between northbound lanes left and right, and then he was sharply correcting his driving, where he was attempting to correct his driving, like very, I would say, stereotypical drunk driving type of behavior. After seeing how wild he was on the road, you know, they had to pull him over. There's no choice at this point. Um, And the arresting officers, they say that there was a heavy stench of liquor on his breath. Um, They asked to see his ID and he began to drunkenly fumble around looking for it, um, only to a moment later pull out his Winnipeg Police Service business card and through slurred speech said, I'm one of you. Uh, Which to me is super clear that he said this because he thought it would be a get out of jail free card as it had been previously, specifically in the Crystal Tamman case, which go listen to that episode if you haven't. Um, amongst others, in which police are only concerned about protecting their own, regardless of what wrong they may have done. So in this case, his get-out-of-jail-free card didn't work because he was arrested and he was given breathalyzer tests immediately after arrest. So the legal limit in Manitoba is 0.8 or 80 milligrams per 100 milliliters. Um, And his first test, he blew a 1.3 or an 100 30 milligrams per 100 milliliter and the second test he blew a 1.1 or 110 milligrams per milliliter his second test was lower than the first but it still had him significantly higher than the legal limit like he definitely should not have been driving whatsoever now because he blew the breathalyzer test and was very clearly over the legal limit on not one but two tests he received an automatic three-month suspended license and he was further charged with driving while impaired or driving over the legal limit so he pleaded not guilty right so then his trial was supposed to happen in stonewall um, and as him and his defense attorneys were getting ready for trial he decided that the child would only take other police officers off of the streets um, and decided to change his plea. Prosecuting attorneys later said that his guilty plea saved them time, and so they and the judge agreed to drop his second charge in exchange for his guilty plea. This is something that police officers often get to do that other people do not have the opportunity to do. Um, or they're not willing to do it because they know that that guilty plea will result in jail time, whereas for police officers, it almost never does. The prosecuting attorney in the case, they said that the Crown had an extremely strong case against him and they were going easy on him. So like, if the prosecuting attorney is the one who's saying this, then it's likely time to reevaluate some things. Um, the attorney believes that they wanted to go easier on him because he didn't, because he quote, didn't waste anyone's time end quote with a contested trial. And he took the plea that was being offered. So when they reported that he just made the decision to plead guilty, to save them time, that's not actually what happened. He decided to do that because it was a part of a plea deal, plea deal that was offered to him by the prosecution, who also said they had a really strong case. So they didn't need to issue a plea. Usually pleas are issued in cases that they don't feel they're going to win or they feel they would have a better chance at winning if it was signed off on because it results in a guilty verdict, which looks good for them. In Jason's speech to the courts, He said that he didn't believe that he was over the legal limit when he was driving. 
it's unclear how much he drank, what exactly he drank, and how soon after drinking he decided to drive. But like it was shown in the Crystal Tamman case, officers aren't typically forthcoming about their alcohol consumption or they're just unaware of how drunk they truly are. So they just continue to drink and then justify driving drunk. Since he pled guilty to the charge, um, he was fined $1,300. He was reprimanded to desk duty and his license was also revoked for a year. He claims that he was also docked 10 to 15 days of pay by the police force, but because of his conviction, uh, but when the claim was like followed up on the police said that they weren't allowed to publicly comment about internal sanctions so whether this internal fine was actually issued kind of unknown during the plea acceptance meeting garrett actually told the judge that this whole situation was extremely embarrassing which it is to be a police officer and to be caught drunk driving at your big age that's very embarrassing like you know better in response, however, the judge told him that he'll learn from the situation, and given his history, he doubts he'll ever end up back in the courts again, which is like, wait, what does that even mean? Because if he's looking at this person's genuine, accurate history, it's clear that he was going to do something to cause harm to himself or others as he had previously, whether alcohol was involved or not. The judge said that his three decades of experience should have made it clear that he was not in a state to drive or made it clear that he wasn't able to assess his own ability to drive. The minute he started drinking, he should have made other plans that didn't involve him driving. He was like, legit dude, like you are a cop. You see firsthand the damage that intoxicated driving can do in terms of property damage, injuries, and death. Like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? I also think it's super important to note and it's super telling that the first thing the judge mentioned was property damage and the last thing was death, right? You'd think that death or serious injury to another living individual as a result of driving drunk would be the first concern, not property damage, but it's just kind of telling as to where the system's priorities really lie. In the next breath, the judge then told him that Quote, we involved in the public service accept this idea that we are at a higher standard and to be held to a higher standard, particularly with you being in law enforcement. I just want to know when police or anyone ever in law enforcement has actually been held to a higher standard. Like even in their minds, they know they aren't held to the same standard. And that's why this man thought it was acceptable to pull out his Winnipeg police business card when they asked for his ID and said, I'm one of you. Police are consistently allowed to drive drunk, assault, abuse, cause other forms of harm, and even kill in Winnipeg, oftentimes without ever having their names, badge numbers, or pictures released to the public. They don't receive comparable forms of punishment as their non-law enforcement peers, and the prosecuting attorney herself in the case said that they were going easy on him. So in what world does that look like the actions of a group of people being held to a higher standard? Right? Like, if the standard was truly higher, the outcome of this case would not have been equivalent to a little slap on the wrist. So, I'm pretty sure that Jason still works for the WPS, or if he doesn't, then he retired, like, still being employed by them. Like, he was never fired, he was never let go because of this incident. Uh, which to me is interesting because technically, since he pleaded guilty, like, that means he has a record. And so, to have a record and still be working for the police is interesting. Um, 
Like I mentioned, he was given desk duty for a year, but as soon as he got his license back, he returned to his regular position. And throughout the trial and everything, he remained employed by the WPS and remained paid by them, which to me is weird and shouldn't be a thing. Um, I definitely feel like this situation was not handled properly and he didn't receive adequate punishment, especially because he tried to manipulate his position as a police officer to to get out of being caught drunk driving. You know what I mean? Like it was very intentional the way that he did this. It was very blatant. Um, and so I feel like he, yeah, like the prosecuting attorney said, they went really easy on him and they shouldn't have because this man has literally been with the force. He's been with the force for a long ass time, like literally longer than I've been alive. So if me at my little age, I know to not drive drunk him at his big age and being a police officer should know not to drive drunk and should know not to try and manipulate his way out of that situation okay so now we are going to get into the next case which is a leslie mcrae and there's not as much information about him as there was about jason but basically leslie is an officer with the winnipeg police service and he began working for the force in 2007 so in 2017, at 41 years of big age, he was arrested by the Headingley RCMP. Now, what exactly did he do? So the arresting officer, who we're just going to call Otto for the remainder of this, he began work on November 7th, um, 2017, at around 8 a.m. Shortly into his shift, he saw a car, which was Leslie's car, parked on the shoulder of the eastbound lane um, on a highway and he thought this was somewhat suspicious and somewhat also dangerous though because it's the highway and it's right in the middle of Manitoban winters which we all know can be living hell like the highways can be very dangerous with all different types of ice black ice you know like very slippery just a lot of things can go wrong a lot of things can happen so he decided to go and check things out He said he slowed down as he passed the car and he saw Leslie reclined in the driver's seat and he saw him bring a can to his face like he was drinking something. Um, And the car was still on at this time, like it was running. So at this point, he made a U-turn and went back to Leslie's vehicle once again. Uh, He parked behind him and walked towards the car. He peered in like before he knocked on the window and saw a can of alcohol on the ground of the passenger's side of the car. So Otto knocked on the window and got no response. So he decided to just open up the driver's side door because it wasn't locked and he was immediately hit with a wave of just alcohol smell, just stinky ass, stinky, stinky ass alcohol smell. So Otto was like, hey, like what's going on? I'm a cop. Leslie then responded and said that he was just simply resting on his way home. Otto then asked him for his license and registration, but Leslie had trouble getting his papers. And Otto noticed that he had issues physically sitting up from his reclined seat, right? Like he was drunkenly reaching for the steering wheel and he missed a couple times and he actually clenched his hands before he reached for the wheel. Like he was using all of his power he possibly could to even get up and he struggled for a minute and Otto's just watching him like what the hell is going on here 
So at some point in the interaction, Leslie admitted to Otto that he had a couple of beers, and this makes sense as there was that beer can found on the ground in the car. It is at this point that Leslie identifies himself as a Winnipeg police officer and told Otto that the common courtesy was to just drive him home. I'm pretty sure it was at this exact moment this comment was made that Otto was like, yeah, it's time to arrest the mans. So after he was arrested and taken to the Stonewall station for processing, Leslie turned to him and said that he had been in Otto's shoes before and made a different choice. He also said that Otto has a different approach than we do. Which is like, what? There's a lot to unpack here. But first of all, what? He literally just said, like, why didn't you let me go? Why didn't you cover for me? Why didn't you take me home? You know how this is supposed to go, and it didn't go that way at all. Like, what's going on here? And he said a different approach than we do. Who is the we he's referring to? Obviously, he's referring to Winnipeg Police Service because that's who he works for. And that is probably often how they handle things because I'm sure there are way more drunk driving cases that are done by officers who are, like, driving drunk then are reported and then go public like i'm sure it's only a handful of them and these handful are extremely disturbing so i can only imagine all of the other things that they continually cover up for one another especially based on this statement right like when you're drinking your inhibitions are lowered you're more likely to say things that you wouldn't say sober so it makes sense that this slip up kind of came out so while he was at the station Otto tried to you know, get a breath sample, do a breathalyzer test, and Leslie refused. So now we're actually going to talk about Leslie's versions of events, which I thought was important to include because I just want to show how ridiculous his falsified version of events clearly is, especially in contrast to the very believable story told by Otto. Um, So Leslie actually admitted that he had been drinking that night, but claims that he was not impaired when he was behind the wheel, which is like, okay, boo, tomatoes, already a bad story, already off to a lie. So he said that he got off work at midnight and immediately headed to Assiniboine Park with a friend for a bonfire where he had about three to four drinks between 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. He says that he was drinking rum and Cokes and each drink had about an ounce of rum in them. And not to get too personal here or off topic or anything, but I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge that bonfires in Winnipeg, especially ones in parks, happen just so you could get fucked up with your friends without judgment. Like it's very common to drink in excess at these bonfires um, and to do it as a group. So I personally have a very hard time believing that over the course of four hours after he had gotten off of work that night, that he just had four drinks and then refused to take a breathalyzer because if he had only taken the four drinks like he had mentioned, he would have passed the breathalyzer no problem. So when he left Assiniboine Park, he was heading home to Marquette because like many other officers, he didn't actually live in the city in which he serves. And it's about a 45 minute to an hour drive. And in the winter, it can take longer uh, just depending on traffic, road conditions, all of those things. So while he was driving, he says that he pulled over because he was tired and decided to catch a quick nap on the side of the road and to finish his trip home afterwards. He said that what Otto saw as impairment was simply just fatigue and disorientation after sleeping in his car for four hours and he was abruptly and shockingly woken up. 
this to me, this statement is again, boo, tomatoes, 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 obviously a big fat lie because if he had been sleeping in his car the whole time, when did he turn it on or off? There's no way the car would have just been running for four hours and in that specific spot and no one had checked on him before auto. Like that does not make sense. Like realistically, his car was running along the side of the road for four hours while he slept like what we're supposed to believe that is anyone supposed to believe that like if he was so out of it for sleeping for four hours then there's no way that he woke up in the middle of his sleep to turn the car back on and then go back to sleep which is what he claims happened because the car was on the car was not running the whole time also he didn't lock his car door so i i don't know anyone in their right mind who sleeps in their car in an unlocked door with an unlocked door um aside from someone who is drunk and not in their right state of mind so because of this whole incident and obviously what Otto said happened is what really happened um he leslie was charged with impaired care and control of a vehicle as well as refusing a breath sample leslie however pleaded not guilty to both and the second charge of refusing a breath sample was dropped in September of 2018, even though he had only been charged in January of 2018. So unlike Jason, Leslie's case actually went to trial and there were a number of issues right from the start. So his first trial date was actually pushed because his lawyer said that they expected the case to appear before a judge from outside of Winnipeg right? Because then they would be unbiased and all of those things. At least in their minds, that's what they were thinking. So the, like they thought they would have a better outcome because of it. So the second trial date was set, but then it was also pushed once again because his lawyers arrived in court and saw a local judge. They were like, ew, what? Another one? Why is another one here? But Then after speaking to the clerks, they realized that their request for a judge from outside of Winnipeg was denied because a chief Manitoban judge had said that it wasn't necessary, like at all. And they claim, like his lawyers claim that no one had told them about this before, which how is that even possible? Like once, okay, I get it, you know, maybe, but twice? You expect me to believe that you didn't know twice? No, absolutely not. Tomatoes. They're just as bad of liars as their client, Leslie. Ain't no way. Tomatoes at all of them. I mentioned before that his initial charge of refusing a breathalyzer test was dropped, but it came out that the judge dismissed it because no video evidence was provided of Leslie at the detachment refusing a breathalyzer. Otto said he's never previously been required to provide this in any cases, so it didn't even cross his mind. And to me, it seems very odd, very suspicious that the blame was placed on him when he did everything as he normally would. Like the methods of his policing was fine for other folks, but extra special proof was needed for Leslie because he's an officer and that's some BS. So what ended up happening to Leslie? How did all of this kind of resolve itself? So the judge who presided over the case, Robert A. Finlayson, believed Leslie's version of events. Um, And he found him not guilty. He said that there wasn't any evidence to corroborate Otto's statement, as Otto did not call anyone to witness what was going on, and he didn't record, like, 
with a camera or like digitally or even in his notes what was going on the specific details he remembered to support the charge so like to me this is ridiculous and it's not fair at all that now i'm not standing up for police officers i'm not saying police officers are good i'm not saying any of that but what i'm saying is that if auto normally use these methods on regular civilians then he should also be able to use them on police there's not automatically some higher standard that you have to prove that police did something wrong because it's blatant he did something wrong like he refused a breathalyzer and that should result in automatic charges so i also feel like auto assumed that it was a very open and closed case like this man was clearly driving drunk uh he tried to weasel his way out of the situation right he tried to be like well this is not how we do things and you should have just it's common courtesy just take me home like this is not what we do uh and that was only confirmed by this outcome right he tried to weasel his way out of the situation he lied and he refused a breathalyzer so if this happened to someone who wasn't a cop they would have definitely been charged and convicted um so all of the charges were dropped and the blame was placed completely on the arresting officer for his lack of evidence and the lack of specific i can never say this word specificity there we go in his notes and the judge said that his mental recollection wasn't good enough they claimed his statement alone wasn't good enough but leslie's statement alone was good enough him telling his lying tomato version of the story was good enough okay okay so because this is part one in a two-part series about winnipeg police officers driving drunk i will save the rest of my thoughts until the conclusion tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in and i better see you back here tomorrow to listen to part two of this